Hello, my name is Brian Holtz. Today's scripture readings come from the book of Acts. Chapter 1, verse 8. But you, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Chapter 8, verses 4 through 8. But the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria and told the people there about the Messiah. Crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message and see the miraculous signs he did. Many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims, and many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. Chapter 8, verse 12. But now the people believed Philip's message of good news concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. As a result, many men and women were baptized. Chapter 8, verses 26 through 40. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, Go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Candake, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now returning, seated in his carriage. He was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, Go over and walk along beside the carriage. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, Do you understand what you are reading? The man replied, How can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up to the carriage and sit with him. The passage of scripture he had been reading was this, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humili humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. As they rode along, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look! There's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Meanwhile, Philip found himself farther north at the sound, town of Azotus. He preached the good news there and in every town along the way until he came to Caesarea. Hey, Grace 242. In the Toy Story universe, the mission and purpose of the toys is to be played with. There's no length that the toys are unwilling to go to in order to fulfill their mission of playtime. In fact, in Toy Story 3, Andy's toys are even willing to be donated to Sunnyside Daycare simply for the mission of being played with. Unfortunately, in the universe, there's many circumstances where toys are unable to accomplish their playtime mission. Let's look at a few kids' meal toys who never fulfilled their mission of playtime. There's Taekwondo. Oh, oh I'm sorry, this is just my play feature. T-Bone never fulfilled his mission of playtime. I'm T-Bone, leader of the Steak Force. We battled the vegetarians for dinner table dominance. I, uh, well, I, I never got played with. Koala Copter never got played with. My name's Koala Copter from the Dan Underables. I got swapped for a kangaroo canoe. Then there's one of my favorites, Recycle Ben. My name is Recycle Ben, and I got recycled! There's this Constitution guy. I don't, I don't get it. Why don't the kids like me? I'm like history, but on wheels! 
Roxy Boxy was defective. My name is Roxy Boxy. I was recalled because- Ooh! Oh, sorry! This anatomic guy was an appetite killer. I mean, who wants to see an accurate depiction of the human nervous system when they're chowing down on a burger? And finally, poor PizzaBot never fulfilled his mission of playtime. Kid not like PizzaBot. PizzaBot sad. Now sadly... Sadly. None of these kids' meal toys fulfilled their playtime mission. And sadly, unfulfilled mission is the story of far too many American churches today. With the radical upheaval in our society over the past several months, it's prompted a return to base for me. And here's what return to base has looked like for me. I've been running this thought experiment where I pretend that I know nothing about the church and I pretend that all I have is the Bible. And so I've just been reading my Bible, pretending that I know nothing about the church, asking myself, if all I have is the Bible, then what would church look like? And this has prompted this message series called We Are, which is the beginning of a statement. It's we are dot dot dot. And this week we finish the statement by saying we are people on mission. The societal upheaval has prompted this return to base in my life and it's forcing not only me, but churches in general to rethink everything that they do. I know I mention him a lot, but I have a friend who is a pastor out in Clovis, California, which is right outside Fresno. And they're having to rethink everything because they can't meet indoors because of state regulations. This past Sunday, they attempted to have an 8 a.m. worship service outdoors. They held it at 8 a.m because their temperatures out there in the desert get well above 100 during the day, so they held it early before temperatures soared. During the service, they had ash raining down on their heads from wildfires, and the air was almost unbreathable. My friend Seth sent me this picture and said, this is the actual picture of our worship service. There's no filter on this picture, no sepia filter. This is what it looked like. And I say this because churches are having to face radical upheaval, radical rethinking during this societal craziness. Mike Frost is a Christian speaker, author, and teacher from Australia. And Mike makes this analogy for the church and the pandemic and the societal upheaval. He says that the pandemic is like lemon juice on the invisible ink of the church. In other words, the pandemic is revealing what we're really about. Regardless of what we say and regardless of the wording of our mission statements, the true nature of our churches is being revealed. And Mike goes on to say that the invisible ink that's now being made visible due to the societal upheaval reads Sunday morning worship service. When you boil it all down, as this societal upheaval has, many churches' true mission comes down to creating a stellar Sunday morning worship service. And the sad reality is, if this is the true mission, if the only thing we're doing as churches is creating a stellar Sunday morning worship service, then we are engaging in unfulfilled mission. Then our purpose and mission has gone unfulfilled. What is the church? We are people on mission. Let's look at the mission. We read it last week, but we're coming back to it again because it's, in many ways, the thesis verse of Acts. Let's look at Acts 1 verse 8. Now, this is Jesus handing off the missional baton to his followers right before he ascends to go back to the Father. He has completed his earthly ministry. He has already died on the cross and risen three days later. And now he is handing off the mission to his followers. Let's see what he says in Acts 1, verse 8. Jesus says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Notice the convergence of all of these themes in Acts 1, verse 8. 
We are Jesus people because it's Jesus himself who started this mission and it's Jesus himself who now hands off the missional baton to his followers. We are spirit people because this mission is powered and accomplished by God's Holy Spirit. This mission is accomplished in Jesus people and through Jesus people by God's Holy Spirit. Now what is that mission? Jesus says, you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. Now the word witnesses there is from the Greek word martus. And martus is a legal term referring to someone who tells a court the facts of the case. This is a witness who explains the facts. And the fact is that only one man went into death and came out alive. And that man is Jesus. The fact is that Jesus is the promised one. He is the Messiah. He is the one who our world has been waiting for. He is the fulfillment of our deepest longings. He is our King. He is our Lord. He is our Savior. Jesus is the Messiah. The mission, therefore, is spreading the fact as witnesses that Jesus is the Messiah. The mission is breaking the news wherever we are and with whomever we are that Jesus is the promised Savior of the world. We are people on mission. We are followers of Jesus who have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, empowering the news that Jesus is the one we've been waiting for, that Jesus is the one whom we long for. The Toy Story toys were completely satisfied when they were played with. Playtime is exactly what they were made for. As people created by God, we are completely satisfied only in Jesus. He is the one whom we are made for. He is the one to whom all of our being is oriented. Remember that the people to whom Jesus is speaking in Acts 1 verse 8 are his disciples who just spent the last three years of their life with this guy. So these disciples are to, as Jesus lays out in 1 8, go into Jerusalem, which is where the first chapters of Acts will take place. Then they're to go to the surrounding area of Judea and Samaria. And then eventually they're to go to the ends of the known world with the message that Jesus is the Messiah. I imagine them going into this mission, meeting up with people, saying things like, I've lived my entire life and everyone who has died stayed dead. But this guy came back to life. I spent three years with this guy, Jesus, and he did things that no one else could do. He cast out demons, he healed people, he did miracles. One time, he gave orders to the weather and the weather obeyed. One time he told a storm to shut up and the storm shut up. I don't know about you, but no one else does that. No one else comes out of death alive. They stay dead, but this guy came out of death alive. What is the church? We are people on mission. We are Jesus people, spirit people on mission to spread the fact that Jesus is the Messiah. Now one man who took up the Jesus spirit empowered mission is Philip. And I wanna look at three scenes of Philip on the Jesus mission. Come with me and let's look at scene number one. Let's look at Acts 8 verse 4 and as you're turning there, let me set the scene. Jesus said the mission would begin in the city of Jerusalem and a man named Stephen took up the Jesus mission telling everyone about him. But the authorities, including Saul, later to become the apostle Paul, didn't like this message and so they ended up stoning Stephen to death. And so Stephen, as a martus, becomes the first martyr. The killing of Stephen spreads fear throughout the Jesus followers, so they flee from Jerusalem because it's no longer safe there. And then, just like Jesus said in chapter 1, verse 8, the mission expands to the outer regions of Judea and also to Samaria. 
Philip is one of the Jesus people who flees Jerusalem to go north to Samaria. And let's pick it up in chapter 8, verses 4 to 5. But the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria and told the people about the Messiah. There's something you need to understand about what Philip is doing here. Philip is a Jew and Samaria is a region full of Gentiles. Jews, by and large, harbored a lot of animus for Samaritans, going all the way back to the kingdom split after Solomon. After Solomon, his son Rehoboam takes the throne and because of his youthful stupidity, the northern kingdom breaks off and you have this split and now you have the southern kingdom of Judah with their capital Jerusalem and the northern kingdom of Israel with their capital Samaria. In Philip's day, Samaria was the region that up until 722 BC when the Assyrians invaded was the northern kingdom of Israel. And this to say that the history between these two nations, Judah and Israel, was not good, leading to this animus between Jews and Gentiles in Philip's day. But yet Philip, fleeing from Jerusalem because of the persecution, crosses the lines of hostility to bring the gospel to non-Jews. Let's look at Acts 8, verse 12. But now the people believed Philip's message of good news concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. As a result, many men and women were baptized. Philip brings the fact that Jesus walked out of the grave to these Samaritans and, praise the Lord, many believe. I think about the church and I think specifically about our church and the lines of hostility that might exist even within our own body. Now that we're in house churches, one of the things that I'm hearing every so often are comments such as, man, this person really gets on my nerves. or before this person even opens their mouth, it chances are I'm going to disagree with them. Or sometimes I hear something like, well, I don't like how this person in my house church does dot, dot, dot. And my response is always, good, <laughs> welcome to church. <laughs> in some ways, I, I love that our house churches are forcing us to get along with one another. We're seeing certain people with more frequency. We're interacting with people with more frequency and there's more contact with one another, which is bound to highlight differences and dislikes between us. And my response for us in all of this is wonderful. Welcome to the messy thing that is church. Philip crossed boundaries of hostility because of the mission of Jesus. We need to be willing to cross boundaries of hostility for the mission of Jesus. I was talking with one of our folks from Grace 242 this past week and this person said, we may disagree or we may dislike each other, but what holds us together is Jesus. Think for a moment about a community with disagreements and dislikes, but that commits to one another for the sake of the Jesus mission. What does that look like to a secular world? I think that would stand out in a world defined by division, animus, and hostility. The world's way is to surround yourself only with the people you like and only with people who agree with you and often with people who are like you. But the church committing to love one another and do life with one another because the Jesus mission so outweighs our likes and dislikes, now that is a unique phenomenon that demands a secular world take notice. Let's look at the next scene. 
We're going to read Acts 8, verses 26 to 27, which says, As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, Go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Candake, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship. So Philip heads south on this road to Jerusalem and he meets up with this Ethiopian treasurer who was probably already a worshiper of God. Verse 27 even says the eunuch had gone to worship in Jerusalem. And he's in his chariot reading this scroll from the prophet Isaiah. And Philip says to this Ethiopian, what you're reading? And the Ethiopian says, oh, it's just this scroll from Isaiah. And Philip says, well, which prophecy from Isaiah are you reading? And, and the Ethiopian picks up his scroll and begins to read. The Ethiopian says, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And Philip asks the Ethiopian, well, do you understand what you just read? And the Ethiopian says, nah, not really. And Philip says, the God who guided Isaiah to write this prophecy. The God you just actually got done worshiping in Jerusalem. That God was hatching a plan with his son. And this prophecy foreshadows that plan of God's going into action. And that plan is God sending his son Jesus for us. Have you heard of Jesus of Nazareth? You've heard how he died on the cross and rose after three days? Here's the thing. Jesus of Nazareth is the sheep led to the slaughter. The God of Israel whom you worship has sent us the one who we've been waiting for in his son, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus of Nazareth is the sheep led to the slaughter. He is the one who died on the cross. Philip says, the good news, the facts, my friend, are that Jesus is the one who we've been waiting for. The good news, my friend, is that Jesus of Nazareth is the Messiah whom you're reading about in your scroll from Isaiah. There's this show that Morgan and I used to watch every so often called Chopped. The show consists of three rounds, an appetizer round, an entree round, and a dessert round. And after each round, one of the cooks is eliminated from the competition. In each round, the cooks are given these ingredients that have to be used in their dish. So the chefs already have ingredients specified to them, and their job is to make an appetizer out of them, or in the entree round, to make an entree out of them. So the whole point is for these cooks to go from pre-specified ingredients to a completed dish in a set amount of time or as quickly as possible. In Philip's situation, the pre-specified ingredients were an Ethiopian man who has some knowledge about Israel's God and the prophecy from Isaiah. And Philip takes these ingredients and he immediately begins cooking. He immediately begins cooking toward Jesus is the Messiah. He wants to get to that completed dish as soon as possible, that Jesus is the Messiah. In the same way, we as Jesus people on mission take the ingredients specified to us and we cook toward the completed dish of Jesus as the Messiah. Maybe you have a coworker who just hates religion. Maybe they had a bad experience in the past, so they have all this disdain for religion. So you have this ingredient of a disdain for religion and in my circumstances, if I'm the one in those shoes, 
dealing with this coworker, and I'm trying to cook toward Jesus. First of all, as a spirit person, I'm praying for the Holy Spirit to give me an opportunity. And when that opportunity comes, because he always provides one, when that opportunity comes, I might just tell my coworker this story of Jesus. I might say, you know, I, I get it that you hate religion. Did you know Jesus, I think, hated religion too because he actually told this story. Jesus tells a story about two different people. One person was this arrogant man of high status that would pray out loud so that everyone would look at him engaging in these religious activities and think to themselves, oh, how religious, how prim and proper, how pure, how holy that guy must be. Jesus tells the story of that guy, and then he contrasts that guy with this other guy in Jesus' story. He says that there was this other man who was, it was actually a tax collector, who humbly beat his chest and said, God, forgive me. And he didn't care who was looking at him. He just prayed that God would forgive him. And Jesus says that God showed favor upon the man who asked for forgiveness humbly. Jesus has no time for these outward religious expressions that mean nothing. Jesus doesn't care about the outside. He cares about the inside. So, man, I get it that you hate religion. I think Jesus has great disdain for religion as well because Jesus doesn't care about the acts of religion. He cares about the condition of your heart. That's a conversation that I might have using the ingredients that this coworker has already given to me. Philip took existing ingredients and cooked toward Jesus. And in the same way as people on mission, we take existing ingredients and we cook toward Jesus. Come with me and let's check out scene number three. Here's the final scene for Philip. Let's read Acts 8 verses 39 and 40. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Meanwhile, Philip found himself farther north at the town of Azotus. He preached the good news there and in every town along the way until he came to Caesarea. After baptizing the Ethiopian as a new follower of Jesus, Philip actually gets snatched away by the Holy Spirit in this miraculous event. He's displaced. And when he comes to in this new location, he realizes he's in the town of Azotus, that the Holy Spirit has relocated him. I like to imagine this in my mind, and when I imagined it, I kind of imagined it humorously. I imagined Philip just kind of coming to in this new location, kind of like, oh, where am I? Like rubbing his eyes and kind of letting the cobwebs clear. And after he regains his composure, he sees this sign that says, welcome to Azotus. And he reads, welcome to Azotus. And as soon as he reads that, he goes, huh. And he just shrugs his shoulders and he grabs the first person he finds and says, you, sir, have you heard about Jesus? <laughs> I just love this, that he literally gets disoriented, displaced in a new location. And when he comes to, it's like, well, time to preach the gospel. <laughs> it's Jesus, Jesus. The missional programming immediately kicks in. Wherever we are, in whatever circumstances we find ourselves, we ought to have a missional programming that says, Jesus, 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 have I shown Jesus today? Have I looked like a follower of Jesus today? Have I brought Jesus with me wherever I am today? Have my conversations been seasoned with Jesus? Wherever Philip found himself, the Jesus missional programming kicked in. Wherever Philip found himself, he was a witness. He told the facts that Jesus is the Messiah. In Samaria, it was, Jesus is the Messiah. On the road with the Ethiopian, it was, Jesus is the Messiah. In Azotus, it was, Jesus is the Messiah. 
As people on mission, we ought to have the same programming that we bring the fact that Jesus is the Messiah into every location, every circumstance, every conversation. Who are we? We are people on mission.